Check out my podcast show, Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman, Thursdays at 9 p.m. I talk about everything and anything. I'm all about sharing what I know and about learning as well. Hola, welcome to On The Wake Up Radio. Shout out to my producer, Cindy Ashby. Tonight's episode is about domestic violence. You're listening to my show, Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. I'm your hostess, Boricua Angie. To call in, the number is 844-818-4433. You can catch us on thewakeupradio.com and otwtube.com. As I always say at the beginning of the show, some can relate, some appreciate, some hate. So I just wanted to read some definitions about what a narcissist is. I'm going to read them right now. So this is something that I've seen on Facebook. So it says, confessions from a narcissist. I'm going to start by playing games. This is the way I take control of your emotions. I can't control myself. You will eventually figure that out. I have to have what I want, when I want it, or else I will blow a gasket. Laugh out loud. Anyway, since I can't control myself, I will do the next best thing. I will control you. But first, I need to gain control. So I start by love bombing you. I will do what I want. I can to make you happy and to make you feel special. I will convince you I am the one for you. I will listen intently to what you say you want and then I will mirror it back to you. When I see that you are responding to my exploits and accepting what I sold you, that's when I change. I transition from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. I change the dynamics in the relationship by by being distant, not as attentive, And like, I am not interested in you the way I was before, or at least not really. I do this on purpose. When you go back and forth between being nice and then being an asshole, it creates a trauma bond. This is how I get you addicted to me. Do you see now? I am in control. I always have been, and you don't even know it. That's crazy. So this is so the definition about the love bombing, right? So I have other definitions, and I I like because um, one of my friends on Facebook decided to to talk about narcissists and and the situations for women or just even men to be aware of because we always have to remember it's not only just women that go through this. Um, at one point, it was always made to seem like how can a man actually ever be abused by a woman, and it happens. And it's also very toxic that there are situations where people will hit each other and they're okay with that. And I don't know, for them, that's they think that's love, but it's really toxic and it's never good. But here are some definitions, like what is love bombing? Showering a target with attention and gifts to quickly bond them emotionally to the narcissist. Projection. Seeing the things they hate most of themselves in you. Lying, 
Not only do narcissists lie constantly, but they reorganize their reality and buy into their own lies. Many could pass a lie detector test as a result. I know that for sure. <laughs> Moving the goalposts, constantly changing their expectations, leaving you with the sense that nothing you do is ever good enough to please them. Denial. I didn't say that. You're lying when you said I said that. When there's a clear record that yes, they actually did say that. Gaslighting, causing you to doubt your own memory, leading you to question if you even know what reality is anymore. The flying monkeys. This is definitely the famous one to me. Getting other people to abuse you on their behalf. And when I seen this, I had to I had to take it and I had to share it because I remember just like I said from last year, and I'm going to talk about it just from last year. It's crazy because the guy who attacked me and when I decided to go live on Facebook last year to put him on blast, because like I said, many people feel that when you've gone through a domestic violence situation, depending on, on what's happened and what's been happening. Not every victim or not every person, especially like myself, I'm not going to sit there and be quiet and not say anything because that's one of the things I've learned. Because again, my mother went through it. She went through it for so many years and I was like, I'm not going to go through it. I mean, it's messed up. You kind of experience things, but at the same time, like I said, that's not going to be me. But people think that because you're in those situations that you're supposed to be afraid, that you're supposed to be sitting somewhere, hiding in a corner and being afraid to talk. And I don't, because I've always said, if I'll be the person to speak for other people, I will be the voice for the other women that are not ready to speak up. I have no problem talking about it. So because I did speak up and I put the guy on blast, all of a sudden, one of his friends decided she wanted to make her own life and make fun of me and say that, you know what? He didn't do anything to me, that I'm lying. She ain't seen no marks when clearly everybody did see the marks in the video. Then I had another woman that he went and told her about something that we discussed. She also came at me. So I'm there kind of like, you know what? It's cool. You can have as many people as you want to come at me, but it ain't gonna change nothing. I still ain't gonna be scared. I know what happened. My friends know what happened and I'm good enough with that. But that's exactly what they do. They will get other people to come at you. They will convince other people to say, you know what, she's crazy and she's lying. When people already clearly knew what was the truth. So again, as long as people believed what I was saying and they knew the situation and because of things that I've told them, I was perfectly fine with them. With the few people that believed me, it was okay. Everybody else, I'm one of those people, I'm like, they can go suck a nut. <laughs> it's perfectly fine with me. So I wanted to share a little something. Uh, there's like two, there's like letters that I wrote. One of them was supposed to be for part of my organization that I'm with. I mean, I since the whole COVID thing happened, it's been really different because they were doing their self-defense classes um, remotely. So I really haven't been, I probably haven't been participating as much. And I really can't wait till once we open back up and we can start doing things again in person because that would be great. So I was supposed to be part of a digital storytelling project 
but it never happened. So there's two, there's two letters that I'm going to read. And this is the first one, like I said, was part from my organization to basically, again, because this all has to do with domestic violence and just basically um, sharing our stories. So domestic violence is wrong. I'm making a change to break the cycle. Here's my life story. Domestic violence has been a part of my life since I was three. I was born in August in 1980. My mom raised me by herself. She met my brother's father and moved in with him when I was three. He was good to her for a while, then all that changed. I hated him so much for the way he treated her. I witnessed the abuse growing up and so did my little brother. I had to deal with it for 15 years. I was scared to stand up to my brother's father. As I was growing up, I was a quiet child, cried a lot, was depressed and thought about committing suicide. I saw all the horrible things my stepfather did to my mother. My stepfather would mistreat me as well, make me feel like everything I did was wrong. I was not allowed to go outside and play. No one could come over, whether my friends or my mom's family. I didn't make good choices as a teenager and as a woman. I met a guy, I met guys who would use me for money or sex and would physically, verbally, and mentally abuse me. My brother's father, is an alcoholic, and at the time he took drugs. He thought we didn't know about it. He left me with so many bad memories. I walked around half of my life mad. I would raise my voice to my mother or to anybody. I remember one day my mom went to see her family. When she came back, there was a smell of gasoline. When we walked in, it was all over the kitchen floor and it was sticky. Another time when he saw me throwing up because of the bad effect of a pill I was taking, I was probably 11 years old or older. He said to me, if you're pregnant, you're out of the house. There was one time he threw a cup at my mother. Luckily, it missed her. Back then, I was telling a lot of people about what was happening from junior high school to high school. But they couldn't do much to help, or some of them couldn't relate. I didn't have a support system growing up. When I became an adult, I kept to myself and started not to really trust people. And also for the fact that I was sexually abused when I was younger. I was probably eight or younger. It happened in Puerto Rico when my mom left me to stay with my relatives out there for vacation. That changed me as well. And I couldn't really talk to my mom. I was really mad at her and didn't know at the time that she did take me to get checked after I came back from Puerto Rico. They told her everything was fine. I don't remember going to see a therapist or counselor for that. So I grew up feeling a little certain way about myself, men, and who I could trust. Things in my life as a woman didn't get any better. I was never married to my son's father. I met him on a dating site in 2006. I put at the time, it was like eight years later, but I think maybe I could be nine or 10. He was making my life impossible. I got pregnant by him and gave birth on July of 2008. He acted nice, took me out. I started noticing the little lies. He could never keep his story the same. It always changed, and when I mentioned it, he would change the story. The first time I broke up with him, he was not expecting it. And of course, the way I was, it was like I gave him a key. I gave him a copy of my apartment key after six months of being together, which of course, these are things we need to learn. <laughs> never do that. You really got to get to know people. Really, really do. But again, these were the choices I was making. He came in the middle of the night. 
opened my door and was trying to take the chain off. I swear I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Because when that that when it happened that day, I heard the door open and I'm thinking like everybody's home right now and we're all sleeping. I woke up thinking that somebody is trying to break into my apartment. And when I get up to see a hand trying to get the um, you know, the little keychain when you lock the door, besides with the with the chain. So I was like, who the hell is this? And when I heard who it was, I was like, oh, okay. So I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? He's crazy. So my mom woke me up because she heard that. Then when I looked through the peephole, it was my son's father standing there. I let him in, which was the wrong thing to do. He came to confront me about something that I told him. So that is funny because that I really don't remember what was the reason. But when it came to him, he had no, he had no right anyway with half of the shit that he was doing. So I remember I let him in. He came into my room. He was harassing me. So this is what happened. He scratched me, threw me on my bed, and was holding me down. So I remember when my mom heard that, she came into my room and she was pissed. And I think for some reason she was telling me something about to hit him back or something about don't be a punk because of whatever was happening. And I eventually threw him out. I told him that he had to go. So... As he's leaving, he starts to cry. So I fell for his crocodile tears and gave him another chance, which I should have never done. He stole from me and took things and said I gave it to him. He would go through my stuff when I left him in my apartment, trying to find stuff to accuse me of and start an argument, but never found nothing. I knew he was cheating on me. I even caught him, but he kept lying about it. So I had to throw him out of my apartment and was finally done with him. So I thought it was. That's when he started to use my son against me. We ended up in court back and forth for three years. And it's been longer than that as well. Because again, when I wrote this, <laughs> he lied and put in false petitions trying to make me look like a bad mom. There were signs that I knew that I was in an abusive relationship. He was always threatening to leave me, but never did. Made light of the abuse and didn't take it seriously and said the abuse didn't happen. One time forced he forced himself on me during sex, criticized my friends and my family to alienate them, telling me to choose him or them, which was never going to happen. My family came first and always will. Put me down, made me think I was crazy and played mind games. In front of people, he would act like he was the good guy and victim. Still to now, tried to make me feel guilty about my parenting skills and using visitations to harass me. Threatens to take my son away when I don't do what he wants. Breaking up with him was the best thing I did and tried moving on with my life. Wasn't easy. He kept harassing me, wanting me back, pretending he couldn't stand being with anyone else. In 2011, had to get an order of protection against him because he was stalking and harassing me as I walked up, walked up the street to run some errands. When I didn't do what he was asking, he got upset and hit me with my umbrella because he kept touching me and trying to keep me from walking. So he pushed me up against the car knocking my glasses off, then tried to push me again as I got back up. I might not be able to stop the abuse, but I won't let it control, control me or my life. Regardless of what I've been through, and it does hurt sometimes, I'm still trying to be positive and continue with my life. I have my kids to raise and think about and don't want them to continue the same cycle of abuse or to be abused. And I, that's when I said about like, I do volunteer work and I was a self-defense instructor with my organization. 
something that I, you know, I truly love. So now another story that I wrote, and I feel like I'm glad that I read the first one because I feel like this one, when I wrote this, this was back in 2018. And I think this could have been the time either that was the same year, either 2018 or 2019, when I made the decision of letting my son, who's going to be 13 in July this year, and I made the choice of him going with his father because of who the father is when it comes to this whole manipulating and all that stuff. It was a little bit difficult because it bothered me because I'm thinking to myself, one thing is to do things to me, but now when you're trying to use your own child, a kid in the middle of the situation, I just really find that to be fucked up because at the end, that doesn't make you a better person, it just makes you pathetic and a loser for the fact that you would even try to use a child and brainwash him and affect him in so many negative ways that he forgets that one day he's going to grow up and he's going to be a man. And then whatever he thinks that he's doing, it wasn't the right thing to do. It's not, um, how do you say, it basically continues it causes, I feel like it causes to, for the cycle to continue because it's like, if this is what the father's doing and the things he says to him, especially about me, like things like he, I feel like he has told him and he has, cause my son's told me very negative things. Like, you know, your mother doesn't love you. Your siblings don't like you. And then when he would come back home, he was such a completely different kid because like I said, here's the father brainwashing him and he's still young. He don't know any better. He just know that daddy's talking, he's listening, and he's thinking. And so he would really take it out on us. He would really take it out on us and everybody. And it just really sucks because I had to have the conversation and explain, you know what? You're still siblings because you all came out of me. Doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter if the other the other sibling doesn't have a father in the picture or if the other one does. It doesn't really matter because I'm still mom. You're still my children. So it was kind of hard. I'm going to say it again. When it comes to kids, when it comes to kids, it's like the hardest thing ever. Oh, man, you got to love New York City. <laughs> and especially after what I found out yesterday. Yes, I'm from New York City. This is what it sounds like at night, in the morning, summer's here. I'm really waiting for that car to move. <laughs> and I really hope it does. But yeah, it's always noisy out here. I feel like it all depends when you, if you live out here in New York City, it all depends on which area you're in. You won't hear too much of this because that's why people pay a lot of money to not be around this type of stuff. So again, like I said, when it comes to kids, it's really sad that there are men and women who will use them, again, thinking that it's hurting the parents, but them not seeing the bigger picture, that it's actually hurting the child. It's like, yes, it hurts me, but at the end, who's the one being more affected by it? 
who are the ones that they're actually changing in this situation yeah i guess what we're gonna have to do is that we're gonna have to take a quick little break and then we'll come back and hopefully i can figure out how i cannot make it sound <laughs> you get the background music the background noise and again like i said i'm from new york city so what we're gonna do we're gonna take um a little break and we'll be right back hola welcome back to on the wake up radio i'm your hostess Boricua angie and you're listening to my show thoughts of a light-skinned woman so again <laughs> Before I was uh, rudely interrupted, and I'm going to say it again, I'm from New York City. Uh, it's the city, as I said, the city that never sleeps. The city that never sleeps. And again, depending on what neighborhood you come from, oh, you're going to be hearing music blasting. The 4th of July already started out here since maybe almost two weeks ago. And I'm, we're all over here like, what the hell? To the point they'll scare you in your sleep because you think it's like gunshots, but it's just really them with the fireworks. <laughs> okay, so what I was talking about before when I was saying that kids, kids are greatly affected in such a way that I understand us as the adults, but even again, because I went through it as a kid and, and even as an adult, like it's such an impact in your life the way it changes you, the way you see things, the way you um, feel and act towards people. So I ended up writing a letter and I think as I was mentioning before, I even dated and everything because at the time I was really feeling, I was feeling really sad about everything that was happening. And even in this year, this is if I'm correct, even when my mother had her heart attack and then to find out that my son runs away from home. So it was just really a lot going on that it just got me to the point where I was like, you know what, enough is enough. Like, I just I just couldn't anymore. And I'm gonna explain after I read my story about, as we're gonna call it an up to date about what's been going on now with the choice that I decided to make that I knew that was gonna happen. I guess I should have just stuck with it. So this was back in April 2nd of 2018, and I put to whom it may concern. Since Aiden left his father's home on January 3rd, 2018, the past three months has been very hard. My mom had a heart attack that same week. I've been trying to get help, get him evaluated at school. I did want custody, but his behavior is too much, and I don't know what else to do. I'm concerned for my health, my kids, and our safety. I know he's been through a lot before going to the dad. The father has been against me, helping him, and has gotten to this point. My son was being mistreated and was sexually abused by a family member and her by her son back in 2012. ACS did get involved because I went to the police after my daughter told me that she was also sexually abused as well. I was in the shelter during the time and the father has stopped picking up my son on the weekends. I was leaving him with her, with well, with my family member until I put him in a daycare because I was working at the time. I was on vacation recently and my mom was watching all three of my kids. Aiden was fighting with his older sibling. 
he picked up to throw the PS3 system and busted my mom's lip with it. I've been doing this alone. I'm not able to work and do much. I do have plans. This was at the time I wanted to become an EMT, so I wrote this. Um, I do have plans. I'm trained to become an EMT. I'm a self-defense instructor. I do workshops at the time. My whole life is for them, but as a mom and woman, I need to be mentally and financially stable. I have two other kids I must take care of. They have been feeling it as well. We are all stressed by what is happening. He has been damaging my stuff and my kids' belongings. He does things intentionally towards his siblings. He pulled out my daughter's braids. I found a broken knife in the garbage, which, of course, till this day, I was kind of blaming him. But I have a feeling that my daughter had something to do with this, too. Still can't prove it, but I have a feeling that it was, I think it had to be her. Um, he makes messes and blames everyone, everyone else. <clears throat> it's been nine years, and all I've been doing is trying to help him. The father knew what happened to him back in 2012. Instead of supporting me, he made the situation worse. He has been seeing a psychologist since he came back home. I don't know how I can help my son anymore. I know trauma does not get cured overnight. I've been trying to have one-on-one -on -one time with him. He continues to speak negatively and says things like we don't love him and he wants to hurt himself. He has been caught doing strange things like sitting on the chair naked with the blanket over while he's holding my cat. He likes to hold my cat down and I've heard her cry out. I am the main provider for my children. Now I'm limited to what I can do. In the summer, I start school to prepare for the EMT exam. I want to provide better for my kids. After I filed the petition recently, I have seen how his behavior has gotten worse. He has been lying, stealing, and has become very aggressive. I feel it's best he goes back to the father or to be placed somewhere that can help him. I am very concerned of how he will grow up. Both the father and him have both given me a hard time. Aiden's father thought what he was doing was a smart idea by putting Aiden in the middle and the things he has put in his head has resulted in where we are now. Aiden is very smart and very manipulative and they also can start young. So when I tried to discipline him by taking things away, especially for him not doing homework or other things, he decides he wants to start yelling, crying and throwing things around. I went, I want the court to help me because trying to co-parent with the father doesn't help. He has done a lot of sneaky things I can't anymore. Everything is one-sided. He wants to know everything I do and about Aiden. Once he had Aiden, he was not really telling me much. I didn't know where he lived until I finally went to his school and dropped off some stuff and see how Aiden was doing in school. It's, it's not that I don't want my son. I can no longer deal with his behavior and it's best that he returns to his father and have his father seek help for all his issues. We tried and made an agreement outside of court and that didn't do too good. So I prefer not to let the courts help me with this. So when I wrote this, and again, I'm trying to think, it could have been, it could have been this year. It could have been not this year, 2018. Either it could have been the ending of that year or into 2019. So what really happened, how everything got really so bad was one day I left them here. And this is when I was going taking classes for EMT. And I remember I was on my way to go to class and I get a phone call and my daughter's telling me that my son threw a fork at her. So 
The problem was that when he threw this fork, this fork landed in her neck. So I'm on the phone bugging out thinking like, how hard did he throw this fork that she said it landed in her neck? She's practically crying on the phone like she was dying. In my mind, I'm already pitching the, picturing the worst of the worst. I'm thinking he threw this fork. She pulled it out. He must have popped some side of some sort of a, a, a vein, a vessel or something. And she's bleeding because that's how the way she sounded was like, oh, my God. And when she told me that I had to just turn around and go back home and I told my friend, I was like, look, I can't make it a class tonight. And, and that was another thing about when you have people who don't give a shit about the shit that you go through. Certain friends that you have in your life that don't support you and will sit there and make shit worse. She didn't give a shit about the behavior of my kids. She was just like, an, it was kind of like in a way like, fuck it, leave them, let them kill each other. Just come to class. But I told her, I was like, no, um, I'm going to go home. I'm going to see what's going on. And when I went to see, she was fine. You know, it was kind of like, it punct. I can't even say puncture, but it just made a little that you could see that he he when he threw the fork, it landed in her neck. So I was home and I was just like there at the point where I was just like, that's when I had the last straw because when children are involved, it's like the most hardest thing in the world. And as a parent. All you want is the best for your kids. And that's all I've been doing throughout this whole time. All I want is the best for these kids, always. Regardless of how they see me, regardless of what's been going on, I always want the best. And it just sucks that when you're a, you're a single parent and you're trying to explain to the people out there, and it just sucks, but I get it because I feel like it's so hard to get people to believe because of the other people who are out there who are so fucking cruel, so freaking vindictive, manipulative and everything that there's people out there who will freaking make up stories for shit that's not happening. And you know what happens when that happens? Everybody else gets blamed. It's hard to believe a person when they're trying to tell you that, hey, this is happening to my child. This is what's going on because people are so good at fucking lying. Or even if they get caught, they fuck it up for everybody else. So not everybody gets put into that one category where it's either you're going to have to have proof to show that what you're saying is true in order for somebody to freaking help you. And so this day still breaks my heart because... I made the choice of giving my son to his father, the same motherfucking abuser, the one who's been fucking him up mentally. I had to do it. And it just breaks my heart because again, while I had him, this man did everything in his power to make sure that I was the one who was helping him. He made sure that the help he was getting was not going to, to, to be for the good. He wanted to make sure that everything was fucked up in the process. And I dis, and I used to dislike when I used to tell people what was going on. And they weren't listening to me until they finally met this man. And that's the most funniest shit ever. Every time I used to talk about what was happening. And once these people met this motherfucking man. All of a sudden people are looking at me like, I see exactly what you're talking about. 
And that's a fucking shame that it takes for people to see this fucking asshole and see. And I and, and I'm glad right now that I can I can talk about him like this because in court, in court, you're not a fucking allowed to you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to express yourself. You're not allowed to insult the other parent. Because that makes you look like the bad person. It makes you look like the bad parent. Because you're not allowed to express yourself from all the bullshit that you have gone through. That you're not allowed to really say too much. You have to sit there with such patience and control in order just to talk about what's really needed. And that's it. And I'm glad that I can say it here because, yes, he's he's everything in the fucking book every time I talk to everybody else. He's a, he's a little bitch. He's an asshole. He's a motherfucker. He's the biggest fucking loser that I ever met. And that's how I feel about him. Even though, yes, this is my son's father. This was the choice that I made, you know? But it just hurts me more because it has to do with my son. That's the only thing that hurts me. I don't give a shit about this man. I could care less whatever the fuck happened to him. I don't give a fuck about nothing that happens to this man outside of whatever's happening from here. My main concern has always been my son. And when I made that choice, because I had to get ACS involved to let him know, he has to take him now. This was the same man who was bugging me for years. He wanted him. And in my mind, it's like, you, you and I, we've created this little monster because that's what I call it. You and I, we've created this little monster you wanted him so bad, you're going to take him right away because I was not playing. ACS had to get involved, and I went to them and tell them, like, he has to take him or my son's going to have to go someplace else. And he had no choice but to make real quick decisions because that's how I look at it. You want to play games with me? This whole time you want to play games? We're going to play games, but you're going to take him. You're going to take him. There ain't no, let me, let me take fucking two to three weeks to a month or a year to decide what's going to happen. No, you want to do the stupid little games you want it. So now you're going to take them and it's going to be within the week. Now when the fuck you want, because now ACS is in the picture. He ain't got no other choice but to say yes, because with them, you can't just fucking tell them no, because they were going to make the decision for him. So with that situation, what happened was. Once my son went with him, it has been such a horrible experience because I have not seen my son for two years. And the only reason that happened because when he was with the father at one point, he did come to visit me. And my son was telling me of how the father was mistreating him over there. So I was going to keep him out here and start to enroll him into, into school out here in New York. So before all of that, so him and the girlfriend that he had at the time, because now he doesn't have the girlfriend anymore. I wonder why. Um, they were calling and harassing me, saying that he's got some some medical tests, some, some something, because he was being tested to see what was going on with him. And you know what the fucked up part is? Ah, to these motherfucking abusers and manipulators out there. Oh, man, you guys ain't shit. And you know what they say? Karma's a bitch. Because again, when it comes to kids, that is the most fucked up shit you could ever do. How the fuck you ever try to use kids is the worst shit I've ever seen. But all of a sudden now, he wants to be the parent who he wants to get his son help. So the minute that he had my son, all of a sudden he's applying for SSI. 
He's applying for food stamps. He's doing a whole bunch of shit. And again, he has my son in school. Didn't tell these people. And again, oh, I forgot to mention, we have joint custody. We have joint custody, right? We have joint custody. So that means we both have sole, legal, physical custody. It's supposed to be uh, an equal thing. We're supposed to discuss shit. But with this motherfucker, that shit does not exist in his world. And that's eventually why I have to go back to court again to make him understand what joint custody means. So he decides that he wants to be the sneaky one. And I'm not the one to play. So when I found out what school he went to, I had to call up the school and let them know, like, hi, I'm so-and-so's mom. And just to let you know, we have joint custody. And I faxed them the papers. I faxed them ID. They have all the information. So now I'm able to, when I call, I'm able to get information now. Because one thing he decided to do was not let anybody know he has joint custody. And he's been doing that ever since he had my son. He's been doing that. He doesn't want to tell anybody that he has joint custody, that we have joint custody. So he's doing a lot of things like he's a single parent and trying to feel like he could, he could benefit from it because if I can't find out where he's going, then I can't tell no one. And every time I find out, I let everyone know what's going on because I'm not here for that. <laughs> so he did that. And then when my son was with me over that summer, when he came to visit me, all of a sudden he started acting up again. And I'm over here like, oh man, it's just so hard. Like I said, when you have a child who has been through so much and it's like, you know exactly why he's acting like that because of the type of father that he has in his life and that he thinks that he says stupid shit. Like I'm trying to teach him how to be a man. I'm teaching him how to be a good person. And in my mind, it's like, motherfucker, you're not because you're saying one thing, but your son's telling me another and you're really fucking with his head. You're really, really fucking with his head that when he grows up, he's not going to be this respectable man. He's not gonna be this man that's gonna treat women with respect. He's going to be the exact fucking replica of his father. And it's so sad. And it's like, I've had to tell this man on the phone about the shit. And it's like, I've told him exactly I knew what the fuck he was doing because I would speak to him in a way like, I'm gonna let him know, like I know exactly what the fuck you're doing and what you're doing is really fucked up. But of course, he, he doesn't think he's doing anything, but of course, that's, that's the, the narcissist, the manipulator, the abuser for you. They do nothing wrong. They never do anything wrong. What is What am I, Angela, talking about to this man about that he's doing shit wrong? No such thing. No, no, not him. He's not doing anything, but it's still, it's, you got to love the head games. While in one breath, he's saying, yeah, yeah, but he's really messing with his head. So... When he started acting up, I let my son know. It's like, you know what? I was having such a hard time back and forth thinking, do I let my son go with him? Because I knew what the hell was going to happen. And I'm fucking suffering it through it now. Two years later, I knew it was going to happen. But I was like, you know what? His behavior, he's still doing shit. And it's just like, I've noticed that, that the father thinks it's cute because I've noticed that him being in my home kept me from doing a lot of things like for me to actually go to work in peace to know that bills and shit has to be paid but how can i go to work when i'm getting phone calls 
when I can't even leave him home with my kids and just for them to just do them in the apartment and know that when I come back, okay. It was so hard for me in my mind to like, you would think it would be so simple to do a lot of shit, but it wasn't. It was just like, it was like fucking World War Three in this apartment. I couldn't count on anybody. I didn't have anybody to help me. Tried to find things to do because it was like, even when I tried to make sure that everybody had their own TV, everybody had cable, nothing that I was doing was working. And that's the thing that was kind of driving me crazy slowly but surely because it's like, man, I don't get a fucking break. Everything that's happening here is just too fucking much. And what he thought again, I'm going to say it again, because what he thought he was doing was cute. Again, it was really affecting me thinking like, how can I work? How can I do shit? Because who's going to watch him? Who's how am I going to make all of this work? Then that means that I would then have to now work even more or work or find a better job in order to pay someone to watch him. And it was just a lot of shit that I'm thinking, like, why the fuck do I have to do all this stuff now for what? Because of this man who felt he had nothing better to do because this man was so disappointed that he could not still be in the picture to think that he could stay there and control my motherfucking life. That he could stay there and still abuse me and play games and do whatever the fuck he wanted. And I was like, no. And it took time. It took time. Maybe after these two years that my son has been gone, even from before then I started to learn, I was like, you know what? Why am I fighting with this asshole anymore? I was like, this is the type of shit that my son was hearing when we were having conversations. His mother yelling at his father, the father being an asshole and calling me stupid and all names and, and wanting to argue when he has my son standing right there listening to all the conversations. And I said, you know what? I have to do better. I have to stop a lot of the things that have been causing the problems. And I changed and I said, you know what? Now when he calls, and I think I found one. Oh, man, let me see. I should be able to find it while I got you, while you're all listening to me. Because I thought it was, like, the perfect thing. And it's just, like, it was one of those things where it's kind of like, um, when I speak to him now, it's like, hey, I don't really give a shit. I'm just more concerned about my son. Um, I just want to see how he's doing. I don't really give a fuck about anything else. But he felt that he needed to make it about other things. Where It's funny because he tries to say I'm not mature. That because he says because I'm a mother that I feel very entitled and all this other shit. And I'm like, yo, this is, this is a manipulator. Again, I'm going to say it. A narcissist, a manipulator at its fucking best. This man will fucking put out all the fucking stops because he's still going he's like i have to get her to get so fucking pissed off or something to make her either curse at me call me on the phone yelling complain but you know what it's not gonna happen anymore because i'm fucking done with the games i'm fucking 40 years old with a 13 year old who's going through all this shit for no fucking reason because he has a father who's a piece of shit and I said no more. When he got on my nerves or he said stupid shit or he thought he wanted to talk shit, boop, I would hang up on him. That's it, conversation over. You want to keep calling me? I'm going to keep pressing the button. I'm going to cancel the call. 
I got to speak to my son. As long as I get to speak to my son, I'm good. After that, now I don't need to speak to you because you're just on some bullshit. And I had to stop all of that. And I feel like I've done a great fucking job of not feeding into his bullshit. Like, you're not going to keep having me yell on the phone. You're not going to keep having my son see this very toxic, very fucked up situation and to continue such a cycle that I don't understand. And again, it's so heartbreaking to me that this man doesn't give a fuck about nobody but himself. Because if he really fucking cared, he would not be doing that to his son. And it tells you the type of piece of shit that he is. Because again, like I'm going to say, if he really, really loved his son, he would not be doing this. He would not use him as a pawn. He would not mess with him like that in order to dislike me, to not like my children, to make him feel that we don't love him. And I tell him so many times when I speak to him on the phone, I was like, you know what? I was like, no matter what, I love you. Just always know that, that I love you. No matter what is said and what happens, I love you. Like, I always have to end that call with that, just to let him know that I love him, regardless of what the father says. And my heart truly breaks for the women and the men around the world who are going through this, who are experiencing this to see their children, that they have to sit there and they have to look at this and think, you know, what can I do? How can I help? Or to the point that you feel that you're so helpless, that you can't help these children because of these people. These men, the choices that we made of who was going to be the father of our children. To not know that these motherfuckers were going to be like that. And it's so heartbreaking because, like I said, I, I don't care about me. Because, like I said, I can deal with him in a way that, like I said, if, I, if it was for me, I would love to never fucking speak to him again. I wish I could. I could deal with him in my own way. But the problem is that there's a child involved. And he can't do much because he's young. It's always mommy. Mommy's fighting it. Mommy's fighting in the background for him. Because that's all I could do right now. Mommy's fighting in the background. And it just really hurts. And I cry now. And I'm like this because, like I said, it just... Because it just really hurts so much. Like, this is my son and I haven't seen him for like two years because he thinks that he has still that control to tell and say that I'm not going to see my son, that I have to come down and visit. And it's just so annoying. And I wish, I mean, I know we're still like COVID is still around and some things have been lifted. Certain things are happening, but I'm just waiting for the courts because that's the main thing. I just want the courts to fully open up again because that's the only way I'm going to be able to see my son and have them explain to this very, very horrible man that we have joint custody. He don't make these fucking decisions like that. This is not an equal. This is not co-parenting. In his mind, and when he texts me, he keeps making it sound like he is co-parenting. But I'm like, oh, my God. Whew. Ah, oh, man, when I tell you people, when I tell you whoever's listening right now, my son is only 13 and it's five more years. Can you hear that number? 
five more years till he's finally 18. And I can say goodbye to this motherfucker because my, I be telling people, it's like, I don't give a fuck if this is his father. I'm going to have a party when that boy is 18 and I'm going to say goodbye to this motherfucker because you don't know. I'm cutting all ties. I don't give a fuck if this is this boy's father. He can have contact with him if he wants to because, yes, that is his father. But with, with me, this is going to be like the biggest celebration. It's like, don't call me for shit. Don't say shit to me. I don't know you and I'm good. Goodbye. As long as my son's not telling me anything that I need to be concerned, even though he'll be 18, but I'm just like, I'm getting rid of him. It's like, bye, party time. Goodbye. Because that's how I look at it. People think like I can't. Like, yes, the fuck I can. I'm 40 years old. By then, hello, four, five years from now, I'll be either 45 or 46. First of all, I'm getting too old for this shit. I don't need to do anything. But like I said, once he's of age, he's getting cut off. It's going to be like a divorce type party, like a bomb voyage. Bye, motherfucker. See you later. I don't know you. Lose my number. He will be blocked. I'm not playing. Like, do you know how long? So many years of going through this bullshit. What would I have to say to this man later on by the time my son is of age? There is no conversation of nothing. This man is not even anywhere close to even being my friend, my oldest I have my son, his, his his father, my oldest one. We get along great. We have no problem talking, but with him, in my mind, it's like, what are we going to have to say to each other? Are we going to sit back and laugh? No, we're not. <laughs> like I said, this man doesn't even like me. He has thrown me under the bus so many times, you won't even believe it. But again, this is what a narcissist, manipulative abuser is. And it's just so heartbreaking when I have to think about all the women that are out there going through this shit. I was like, you don't deserve this. Your children don't deserve this. And like we used to say in my organization, you know, love is not supposed to hurt. Love is not supposed to hurt. Yes, you are fucking worthy. And you surely are not alone in this. Because trust me, I know very damn well, you are not alone in this. And it's just like, this is why, like I said, I can never be quiet about this. I'm always going to talk about it because this is what it is. This is still life. This is still happening. This is not going to go away. And I've always been one of those people like I'm so tired of people never wanting to talk about things like that. But why? Why shouldn't we ever talk about this type of stuff? Why can't we talk about it? We should be able to speak about it. I should never be looked at like I'm weird. And they should never, I should never be looked at differently. Because I'm going to speak up for the gamma, say for the women that cannot and that are not ready. I'm going to talk for them. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to let people know exactly what the hell be happening out there, what these men do and who they are and what happens to the children. Because again, when there's children involved, this is the type of stuff that happens. Whatever I read and that you guys heard, this is the outcome of being with someone who is a freaking abuser. This man, I don't know what he's done to other people because I don't know anything about it, but this is the type of stuff that happens. This is the reality of life. These are the things that, that really happen. And it's so heartbreaking. Like I said, because I know there's other people going through it. I've had people that I can sit there and we'll talk about it, you know? 
So I wanted to, to, the part where I was talking about where I was like, I decided to make a big change about how I spoke to him. And it's, it's called, it says, How to Gray Rock. And this is for anybody out there. And I really hope that there are people who are listening. Please share this. Please just be there for the person, um, your friend, family, whatever they're going through. Be there, even if they're not ready to leave, but just be there. Just be that ear. Be that be that shoulder for them to lean on. Be that person for them, for them to be able just to listen because these situations are very hard. It's so hard for for some women to really just get up and say like, you know what, I'm leaving. Because a lot of things that can happen is that the abuser can end up killing them. The abuser has scared them so freaking much and has threatened them that they just feel like they can't go anywhere. And some of these women sometimes don't even have family. So it makes it 10 times worse because they're thinking, where do I go from here? And this, again, I'm gonna say, this is what real life is about. This is what's really happening out there. So... If you know someone, like I said, just be a supportive ear. Just try to listen. Try to look into resources if you can. And just make sure that whatever happens, of course, you just have to make sure that they're okay and safe. And for some of us, that's all we can do. So it says how to gray rock. Whenever you need to speak to an abusive ex, remember to kiss. Keep it short and simple. Keep things short, simple and to the point. Only reply to the things that are essential, such as contact arrangements, health, activities, and education. Only share information that is essential and don't discuss anything else. If it's about anything non-essential, is questioning you, your parenting, or your decisions and choices, then ignore them and don't reply. Ooh, when I read this, I was like, that's me. I've been doing really great with that because that's exactly what I've been doing to him. I was like, if you don't have nothing important to me to say, and again, this all has to do with my son, then we I have we have nothing to talk about. And if you're going to talk about and you're going to be annoying about it, then again, I'm just going to have to take a pause and we're going to have to pick that up another time because, again, I'm not letting my son listen to me insult the father. Like, I can do it here on this show very freely. And like I said, you can't do this in court. You can't do this. But I'm going to do it here on the show very freely. But again, when I speak to him, I have to be the most calmest, coolest person. I can't insult him. I can't yell at him. It's just kind of like, hey, papi. That's to my son when I talk to, you know, how you doing? How's everything? Good. I love you. And just keep it like that because, yeah, it's just, it's childish. I'm old. He's old. It just gets to the point where it's just like, I'm done. But <laughs> we're at the end of the show and i just want to say thank you so much and i really hope that what i've said and i've shared with you helps someone has given some sort of insight when it comes to domestic violence and what it does to you know to us or to anyone to the women to the men to the children that it will help at least somebody to understand the outcomes of these situations. So I want to say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Check us out at onthewakeupradio.com and otwtube.com. You can catch replays on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. Shout out again to my producer, Cindy Ashby. Tune in next week on The Wake Up Radio at 9 for another segment of Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. Remember, life is too short. Enjoy it to the fullest. Good night until next time. Bye. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashby. On the wake up.
otwtube.com uncensored free speech platform